This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to Five on Three, WFUV's best, if only, hockey show. I am, of course, your host, Nick Palmer, alongside my fellow goaltender, Andrew Canary. It's just us two today, and we're here to, we're here to guide you guys through the beginning of the season. Both the Devils and Rangers are off to a good start, and we'll see how the island does tomorrow on their debut night against Buffalo at UBS Arena. I will be there. In addition, we will be continuing our segment from last episode last week with Colin and Lou, and we'll be looking at how the Western Conference lines up and our expectations for how that'll go. But before we get into that, I'm going to ask you, Andrew, how has the start of hockey season impacted your mood and lifestyle? Oh, it's been a straight zero to 100, I will say, because with, uh, you know, just a postseason baseball, everything was getting me down. Yankees didn't make it. Mets collapsed. My Dodgers uh, are gone. Exactly. Oh, I'm sorry about that. It's yeah, okay. It's unfortunate. But yeah, so we've done, we've been taking a lot of L's in New York when it comes to baseball, so I was excited to turn over Leaf and, uh, you know, get this NHL season started, and uh, I'm happy to say it's a really strong start really solid start yeah not be happier just as you mentioned the rangers and the devils took home big victories in their first games let's start in newark shall we where the new jersey devils opened their season with a four to three win against the detroit red wings at prudential center on thursday jack hughes netted two goals as well as both dougie hamilton and holla netting one for themselves vitek vanacek had himself a night with 32 saves and Jonas Siegenthaler went apple picking. He had a bushel of three assists. So I'm just going to ask you just kind of straight up, what did you see from the 2023-2024 inaugural, inaugural game at The Rock? A really strong start for the Devils. I feel like, um, I don't know, they had a kind of a odd exit from the postseason last season, a little bit disappointing. So I feel like they really need to get off on the right foot here. And the Red Wings gave them a run for their money. I mean, they made it a really competitive game. But despite that, I mean, it showed that the Devils really don't have any quit. They're able to rely on their goalkeeping on, you know, big players like Hughes. Um, also, you know, good setups from Siegenthaler. Um, all around, I was really, really happy with the performance from this team. Yeah, let's talk about Jack Hughes, because last year people were expecting him maybe gets off to a slow start. I mean, such a young kid. People have big expectations for Hughes this year. He's expected to be the premier goal scorer on this Devils first line, but the goals weren't really the only story for Hughes that night he was called for two penalties one for roughing cider and the other one was a retaliatory slash not exactly something you want to see composure wise from a rookie the second penalty was costly because the red wings did tie the game on that ensuing power play after the game hughes said that he lost his composure said he could not make that kind of mistake do you think that's just sort of a rookie getting his bearings or do you think that hughes might have an underlying i'm not gonna say anger management issue <laughs> but maybe some things he needs to clean up yeah i don't think he has like a mean streak or anything like that i don't think he's going out there to like break bones or you know do anything crazy like that make enemies um i think you know sometimes you just get a little too into the game and i think it's kind of just a rookie mistake you know not enough experience um caught up in the moment um but yeah, I mean, you can't, you gotta, I feel like he has to have the realization in that moment to really not make those mistakes. Because like you said, they were costly. The Red Wings were able to even up the score off of that penalty. Um, 
yeah, it's just uh, it's moments like that where I think that you know Hughes definitely needs some development. Um, but I'm excited to see what he does this season because I think he could definitely shore up those moments. Yeah. Speaking of rookies, Connor Bedard recently netted his first goal. It wasn't a pretty one. It was on a wraparound. I don't know if you got the chance to see it. But talking about development-wise and Connor Bedard-wise, there were times in the preseason where Bedard wasn't really getting off the ice in a timely manner, especially on a veteran-stacked Blackhawks team. That just sort of rubbed me the wrong way. I just sort of want to get your take on that because Bedard, I'm not going to say I'm the number one Bedard hater, but he does show some signs of being a little cocky for his inaugural season. Yeah, and that's kind of the sense that I get at least fans are reacting to it as, is like Bedard is thinking that he's like hotter than he actually is. Um, And I'm kind of in the middle. I'm still on the fence on this one. I think that Bedard is you know, as good as people, as analysts are saying, he has the potential that everyone is saying. But also, I mean, you are a rookie. you got to build up to that potential. Um, and, you know, staying on the ice too long, um, being a bit of a puck hog, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I definitely get the flack that he's getting 100%, and I'm not, like, going to be coming out and defending him, like, super hard over it. Um but, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of it either, to be quite honest with you. Look, he has two points in two games. It's a good start. But I think you should show up, show that you can be a good teammate first yeah. before you can start doing all the flashy yeah, stuff. Have s- 100%. Have some respect for a veteran team, you know, really? As guys that have been in the league. I mean, you can Like learn Seth Jones. S- exactly. You can yeah. learn so much from them. Um, so, yeah. I do want to talk about the Devils goaltending before we move on. So it was a good night for Vitek Vanacek, as we said. 32 saves, went one uh, one goal saved above expected. Uh, in the first period, he was outshot 14-6, to but the period ended scoreless. He was crucial in that game. I think his teammates recognized that he was great. Tonight at 7 p.m., it's also at The Rock uh, in, uh, in Newark. The Devils will look to improve to 2-0 against the Coyotes. Coyotes did not have a good year last year. They have no. some <laughs> young talent there. But I, I bring up the goalies because it looks like Akira Schmid will be starting tonight. The 23-year-old put up a 922 save percentage and an 8.8 goal saved above expected in only 18 regular season games last year. Can we expect great things from Akira Schmid? What do you think the balance will be like this year between Vanacek and Schmid? Um, I mean, I think we're going to have to wait and see on how good Akira Schmidt is because, I mean, he had such a, I feel like, hot start, or not hot start, like, you know, hot end to that season when he did eventually get in that slot um, and really surprised a lot of people on how well he performed. And from that, a lot of people kind of got on the Akira Schmidt hype train. Um, and while I think it did get exposed a little bit near the end of that postseason, um, I think it's a fresh start, and I'm really, really excited to see what he does here. Will I say it's, uh you know, we're going to see like a Vanacek-Schmid uh, like 50-50 split? I don't think so at all. But who knows? I, I mean, I'm really excited to see what he does in the net um, and some promising things last season. And uh, I'm a big Akira Schmid fan, honestly. Really? Yeah. Just, I, I think just because of the way he showed up? Yeah, at the just end the way the that he showed up in big moments. I like the name also. I think it's a really cool name, too. Um, and I think he's a good tender, too, in like high leverage situations, honestly. Yeah. I think that... Um, surprisingly, in some regards, he doesn't let the pressure get to him and is still able to perform like it's just, you know, a regular game. 
Um, so I think, at least in that respect, um, extremely good goalie. But we'll just have to see how he does in a regular season. Yeah, I, I think he's something akin to like an Aiden Hill yeah. or something for Vegas where he wasn't expected to show up. Vanacek was having a great year, but he did, and he did what he needed to do. Let's move across the river where the Rangers haven't played a home game yet, and they still will not play a home game yet as they play Columbus in their next one. But last night, the it was the 200th regular season matchup between the Rangers and the Sabres, which was a nice milestone. The Rangers opened up the season with a 5-1 to win. Chris Kreider netted two. And this is the fourth time in Rangers history that they have won a season opener by four or more goals. Now, there were a couple notable storylines here. Igor Shosturkin earned his 100th career win, so big ups for you, Igor. We're a big fan of you, as is Ilya Sorokin. We'll get into that because they are good friends. But no goaltender has recorded 100 wins as a Ranger, debuting with the club or at any point in their career in fewer than 187, and he did it in 159. So way to go, Igor. He becomes the seventh goalie in NHL history to record 100 career wins in fewer than 160 appearances. This is alongside names like Bill Dernan, uh, Frank Brimzek, uh, Chris Osgood. I mean, some really good goaltenders of all time. Uh, another story is Adam Fox, who notched his 200th career assist, sixth fast, fastest defenseman in NHL history to do that, and second ra- fastest Rangers defenseman after Brian Leach. What did you make of the Rangers' performance, and what did you make of Igor? Oh, if Igor, I mean, he's the man. I, I love Igor. I feel like uh, a lot of he got a lot of flack last postseason, um, and rightfully so. But I mean, I'm still on the Shesterkin hype train. I do love that guy. Um, and I, like you said, it was a night of milestones for this Rangers team. Hundredth career win. Um, yeah, I think Shesterkin is kind of the glue that keeps this Rangers team together and really saves them in tough moments. Which I mean, hopefully they aren't going to be in tough moments. Um, as the season progresses, because um, they said that they've worked on their defense a whole lot, which was a huge problem last season. Um, I feel like Chesterkin kind of bailed them out a lot of times. Um, but yeah, just uh, you know, continuing uh, the Chesterkin way of just being a great goalie, which is really impressive. Um, and the game overall, I feel like it was a really, really good showing for the Rangers. Um, everyone was firing on all cylinders. Adam Fox had a great performance. Uh, Panarin also... Uh, you know, netting a goal too. Um, really, really impressive stuff. So then if we could nail it down to one forward, because it wasn't just uh, Fox and Panarin. Zabanajad recorded three assists for his 12th career three-assist game. Uh, his 14 points uh, in openers with the Rangers are the most in franchise history. Uh, but it was also a night of newcomers to the Rangers. We had Nick Bonino, Blake Wheeler, Eric Gustafson, Tyler Pitlick, all of these guys making their Rangers debut in the win. And Alexi Lafreniere, I want to talk about this guy because last year everyone was calling him a bust. And I picked him up on my fantasy team because I said it was still too early to call him a bust. This guy's a first-round draft pick. He is awesome. And he is the second number one pick to score a goal in a season opening game for the Rangers following Rick Nash, if you can remember that, (laughs) in uh, 2014. He was the number one pick all the way back in 2002, I want to say. So it took him a while. Yeah. (laughs) But... What do you make of Laffey? Do you think we can expect more from him? And what about his counterpart in Capo Caco? 
Uh, I'm not so high on him. I mean, honestly, like I kind of I feel like I shared the same sentiment on how he was kind of a bust. Um, I'm interested, honestly, to hear the things on why you think that he could perform really well this season. But I mean, it's good to see that he's getting off to a right, uh, good start. Um, I feel like you could kind of turn over a leaf in this new season, you know, kind of put the things in the past beside you and say, uh, you know, just wasn't, you know, performing for one reason or another. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm a strong wait and see. The, the reason I'm so sold on Lafreniere is because of the coaching change. Mm-hmm. I think that Laviolette brings a much needed stability to the lines. And I think especially with a rookie like Lafreniere, you can't have him changing lines all the time. Otherwise, how is he going to get comfortable? So I think a little bit more consistency in the lines from Laviolette will be a good thing for him. And I think he's been finding that comfort even in the preseason. Just one more thing to note about the Rangers. They blocked 23 shots in that. And last season, they only blocked 23 more shots in four games. So this could be a new tactic for Laviolette, trying to get D-man bodies in front. Uh, trying to reduce the amount of traffic for Shesterkin, although Shesterkin doesn't really need the help. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. so w- what do you make of the new sort of defensive tactics? Get your body in front of the puck, oh. try and block shots. I mean, 100%. I mean, we're both uh, former goalies here. I always appreciate a defenseman getting in front of me and blocking a shot. Um, less work for myself. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, 23 block shots, um, a team-high eight from Truba. Um, really impressive stuff. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of taking some of the pressure off of Shesterkin that needlessly was there last season. I feel like he was making, uh, you know, great saves against shots that necessarily he didn't even need a save. So I'm glad that the Rangers team is, at, or at least the defense, is acting more cohesively to kind of, um, I don't know, not necessarily bail him out, but, um, you know, not make him work extra hard, you know. Indeed. The the Blue Shirts are headed to Columbus today. They will play the Blue Jackets tomorrow, which arguably are the laughingstock of the Metropolitan Division. That will be at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure you watch that route. What, what, just watch me say that, and then Columbus shows up and Boone yeah. Jenner puts up like four <laughs> goals on Chesty. Uh, either way, let's move to the island because they have not played a game yet. The Guys, the Islanders are undefeated. Uh, we are we are one day away from the Islanders taking the ice for the first time this season against the Buffalo Sabres at UBS Arena. I will be there as your Islanders beat reporter. Very excited for that. A couple things about the Islanders that I have noticed of late. They were coming off some shaky play in the preseason. They dropped their last three, and of course it's preseason. You can't judge too much from that. But I was seeing a lack of cohesion on the power play that I know they've been working on in practice. I've been following the tweets, but I'd like to see a little more tape-to-tape Chris passing there. Uh, another thing of note, Matthew Barzell, who was on the right wing pretty much all last year, has been asked to move to the left wing, which Lane Lambert allowed. He Lane Lambert says it feels like he can be more creative there, especially when he will be on a line with Bo Horvat centering, and they just recalled Simon Holmstrom from Bridgeport to fill in there on the right wing. So we're, we're going in without any, you know, experience of seeing what they're going to be like together. What can we expect from this, frankly, elite top line from the New York Islanders? 
Um, I don't know. I mean, expect high things. I feel like the, uh, I don't know. I feel like last season their offense was a bit sputtering. Their power play left a lot to be desired. Um, and where they really excelled was defense and scorping a net. Um, so honestly, they have a lot to prove on the offensive side. And I do like outside of the box thinking with, uh, you know, line placements and everything like that. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. And I will say, though, you did highlight a really great point, and that is the preseason. Um, I watched a couple of the preseason highlights for the Islanders, and it just looked it looked sloppy. It looked like I don't know if they their head was in the game. It just didn't it just didn't really look like they um, were all there, if that makes any sense. I, I will tell you, though, the one thing that was encouraging to see in that preseason play was the synergy between Barzell and Horvat which we only got to see for minimal time last year. I think they only played 10 games together last year before Barzell went down with injury. And while they were together, they were absolutely electric on the ice. So that's something I'm looking forward to is an entire season of Barzell and Horvat, two of the most talented players in the league, you know, synergizing and working together. With that said, Holmstrom being called up, who was waiver exempt, was loaned to Bridgeport on Monday because the Islanders needed to submit a 23-man roster to the NHL by Monday, and a spot on the roster opened up, which unfortunately came in the form of Ross Johnston being claimed off of waivers by the Anaheim Ducks. I'm just glad he gets to play. I was a big fan of Johnston. I thought he played with a lot of heart. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, you know, it's sad to see him go, at least, like you said, at least he's still playing for another team. Um, but yeah, that 23-man roster, I guess uh, somebody's got to go. <laughs> Someone's got to go. I do yeah. want to talk about the second line, which was arguably the most productive for the Islanders last year. That came in the form of Pierre Engvall, the trade deadline acquisition from the Toronto Maple Leafs, Brock Nelson, who led the team in points, and Kyle Palmieri, the veteran, who has always been just a solid, uh, solid winger. They were obviously the most valuable line down the stretch after Eggenball was picked up. In just 14 regular season games together, the line posted 15 goals with a plus 9 goal differential. What do you think the second line will do for the Islanders, especially when the first line sort of has all of its eyes on it? Do you think there'll be another secret sort of sneaky production line? Um, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think that they can uh, surprise a lot of people. I mean, like you said, Nelson always uh, in, just great in terms of production. Uh, Palmieri also great at just setting up plays, creating opportunities. I think that's where he really, really excels. Um so, yeah, I mean, I feel like they kind of took a bigger slot last season because of all the injuries and, you know, things kind of fell on them more often than not. But with less pressure this season and more eyes on that first line, um, yeah, I can definitely see some surprising goals, maybe some big plays. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they got a lot to prove. Who's one person on the Islanders who you're looking at to have a big breakout year? I'll start with Hudson Fashing, who had an excellent end to 2022 2023 he came up out of Bridgeport and immediately shined with his physical play his crisp passing I mean he he wasn't expected to do anything and here came Hudson Fashing honestly lighting the lamp more than a lot of these veteran guys were expected to do you know what? I kind of like that pick. I'm uh, I'm uh, agree with you there. Honestly, um, yeah, I, I feel like Fashing like really surprised a lot of people last season. Um, and yeah, I mean the sky's the limit for that guy. I feel like this season, good start, and just um, we'll be able to carry that on. And I think it could be a breakout year for him, um, especially for a team that needs offensive production and opportunities. A lot to prove for Hudson Fashing and a lot to prove for a lot of teams. Last week, 
if you were listening, which of course you were, we were talking about the Metropolitan and the Atlantic divisions, talking about where we were expecting these teams to end up. We had some surprising choices. I had the Bruins missing the playoffs, which shocked a lot of interesting. people. Oh, it was interesting, but this, man, this so Atlantic division, you get? <laughs> I got a lot of pushback, okay, especially from uh, Boston native Colin Lochran, who did not care for that at all. But we're not <laughs> here to talk about the East today. We're here to talk about the West. I'd like to start with the Central Division because this one, frankly, I think is the least skilled of any division in the NHL. Obviously, you have the Dallas Stars who always show up. They show up to play. Where do you have the Dallas Stars finishing this season? Because I have them winning the Central, no problem. Yeah, honestly, I think I have them winning the Central also. I think it's been kind of a a consistent long road for the Stars. Um, and they haven't always gotten the results that they want, but I think this is the season where they just easily clinch it. I think the Avalanche have, you know, pretty much completely fallen off at this point. I don't want to, you know what, maybe not completely. That might be a bit of a hot take. But I think, I don't know, everything from the injuries last season, just a disappointing, um, you know, results. I I think the Stars have everything that they need to just take the Central Division. Um, I think that Robertson hints... You know, they're going to continue to be the top of the lineup. Um, and Pavelski also is going to help them out in a big ways. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I think this guy's lonely for the Stars, and I think they easily get the Central Division. I think so, too. My, my one gripe with the Stars is that they added more veterans to their team. They uh, added in Matt Duchesne, obviously the 32-year-old. Uh, He's one, one year moved from an excellent 43-goal year in uh, Nashville. However, he'll probably see his time reduced on the ice because he was averaging around 19 minutes a game. But he can still give them good minutes. He'll he'll be on the third line, so he will see a reduction in those minutes. But I'm surprised you talked about the Avalanche like that because last year they were riddled with injuries. I mean, Valerie Nachuskin maybe saw 15 games the whole year. Nathan McKinnon was out for a while. When you're missing all of these big guys, it's no wonder. And they still made the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know if you remember at the beginning of last year, people were like, man, maybe they don't have it. And then they totally came back and they had it. Obviously, it didn't end up the way they wanted it to go. But they have, I think you're right, they have been dealing with the cap issues Landeskog will be out for the entire year, and that's their captain. Do you think that will affect them very much? Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah, I mean, just losing that big centerpiece, I mean, I don't even, it doesn't even matter if he was the centerpiece of their offense um, or just, you know, really creating opportunities on the team. I think it's just morale-wise, just realizing that you're not going to have your captain for the entirety of the season. It doesn't matter if he's even on the bench. I feel like that's just such a gut blow for this team. It's just not starting off uh, on a really good start with this team. It's just disappointing. Sure. Touching on these top two teams goaltending real quick. I mean, Jake Ottinger had a fantastic year last year. Dark Dark Horse Vesna candidate. But looking at the Avalanche, I think that they have a great tandem in net with Alexander Georgiev, the former Ranger, and Pavel Franceau. And Franceau had a sneaky good year last year. I don't think there's any reason for them to slip further than second in this division. Uh and I think enough core talent in the form of McKinnon, McCarr, uh, Devon Taves, and Miko Rantanen should be more than enough to at least sneak them into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think maybe it was a bit of a hot take to come out and be like, oh, they've completely fallen off. It's over for the Avalanche. It's all downhill from here, pun intended. But, um, <laughs> but besides that, though, I think that, yeah, I could see a second or third place in this Central Division. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing 
um, that they or I think the biggest factor in them getting that position is that they don't really have that many strong competitors in the central division. I mean, you're going to look at it like the Coyotes or the Predators and be like, yeah, those guys are contenders. No, I don't think so. I mean, at least in terms of uh, skill, I just feel like it's going to be um, real tough for them to be competitive as the season goes on. So I think the Avalanche will come in second or third, but. I think it's going to be a bit of a fall from grace from what we've seen in the last couple seasons. Sure, and and maybe two teams in the Central that have lost more than they've gained this year are the St. Louis Blues and the Minnesota Wild, who we haven't talked about. Now, the Blues did lose some big pieces in Tyler Pitlick, obviously now now a Ranger. But also, they, they struggled in the beginning of last year. They lost eight of their first 11, all in regulation, and they couldn't really get it together. Ever since they lost Tarasenko, obviously, to the Rangers and former captain Ryan O'Reilly to Toronto, this team has not been the same. We remember their Stanley Cup victory in 2016. That seems like an eon ago. Yeah, it it seems like written in stone at this point, honestly. That's how far along ago was. Right, and I think the entire St. Louis Blues organization is relying on sink or swim from Jordan Bennington, who had some great years. Call him Winnington. I was actually in the... Uh, St. Louis Airport on a connection flight, and they have a whole pub surrounded on the 2016 St. Louis Blues team. It's, <laughs> Are you it's called It's called the Blue Note, this pub. It's in the <laughs> airport, and they have three Jordan Bennington jerseys <laughs> hung up on the walls. It was absolutely disgusting, but it's nice to see <laughs> that they like to celebrate something that happened almost a decade ago. Moving to the Minnesota Wild, they lost a lot of guys. Gustav Nyquist, Sam Steele, Ryan Reeves, he's gone, Oscar Sundquist, Matt Dumba, John Klingberg. I mean, the list goes on and on, and it seems like all they've got left is Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think the Minnesota Wild are in a uh, kind of a tough spot here. I mean, they got the season off to a good start with um, a win over the Panthers. But, yeah, I I mean, just to have your wings clipped that hard and just lose that many essential players, um, it's just... I can't see them being really competitive, especially as, you know, the injury bug kind of gets passed around and as the season goes on. I think that this team is just the depth is way too shallow. The one thing that might hold out a candle of hope for the Minnesota faithful would be that they have $1.64 million in cap space. So so they, they have a good amount left. Uh, that could see maybe a deadline acquisition if they have a good first half. We don't know how it would be. But let's talk about the poor Nashville Predators who... I mean, they, they got some pieces in Ryan O'Reilly. He's now a Nashville Predator. Gustav Nyquist, uh, Luke Shen. But here comes Barry Trotz to manage the Nashville Predators. Yeah. Man. I do, I, I, after watching the Islanders in the Trotz era for a while, I don't know if I buy into it. Yeah, I certainly don't buy into it either. Um, I mean, you might want to look at the Kraken game last night and be like, oh, you know, that's that's all you need to see. It's start of uh, start of a new uh, era for this Predators team, but I think it's kind of a flash in the pan, if anything. Right. Um, yeah, uh, you were going to say that that that's not to say that I don't think Trotz fits Nashville's identity well. They are a defensively minded team, obviously, and. Norris Trophy candidate Roman Yossi and their goaltending Yusei Saros. They have excellent back half, but man, O'Reilly and Nyquist are not going to get it done as top six forwards on this team. It just doesn't look like it's going to happen. Finally, I have the Winnipeg Jets and the Arizona Coyotes duking it out at the bottom, and among that is the Chicago Blackhawks. 
Where do you think the okay? I want you to give these three, six, seven, and eight. Okay. Where do you see these three? So we got Blackhawks, Coyotes, Jets. I Indeed. think that. All right, let's see. Um, okay. I think it's gonna go. Oh, that's tough. Jets, Blackhawks, Coyotes. Jets, Blackhawks, Coyotes. You have Top no faith in Arizona, do you? No, 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 no. Why not? I don't. I, I don't know why. I I just feel like they're kind of a team that is uh, built to lose and uh, sell and just kind of move on. Um, I mean, you can just talk about it, the storied history with the team, everything that happened last season to them. It just seemed like Arizona was like burning, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, off the back of that, I just don't think that they're that competitive of a team. I think the depth is not there, and um, yeah, just uh, I, I don't know. I just don't like the Coyotes. Maybe you can uh, give me opinion to say. Oh, them. I will. Okay. I do not have any love for the state of Arizona, especially after this last NLDS series in baseball with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I know Julia Moss is a big Diamondbacks fan. But anyway, let's talk about the Coyotes, who are arguably in a worse spot. Let's talk about who they got, though. Let's talk about Logan Cooley, who, if Connor Bedard was not in the NHL, he would be the star of this rookie class. Let's talk about Jason Zucker and Alex Kerfoot, who are some solid left-wingers. Let's talk about Matt Dumba, who has done miracles for the Minnesota Wild. He is now an Arizona Coyote, and Sean Dersey from the LA Kings. I've watched Sean Dersey grow for the last couple of years in LA. I pay a special attention to LA. Man, he has been solid on defense, and that's where they struggled. They struggled on defense. Matt Dumba and Sean Dersey are really going to hold it down. I think the Coyotes' power play with Cooley and Zucker, Dumba and Dersey, this is a dangerous power play. Their PP1 could be horrific. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I think that you did highlight a really great point and that the defense was lacking last season. Dumble will do a lot to kind of shore up those, uh, you know, bad areas. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'm just not that big on Cooley. Maybe I'm just more of a Bajard guy, but I don't know. It's just I feel like he doesn't add too much to the team in terms of offensive production. I feel like once we see him – throughout a full regular season it won't be you know that stark of a difference not to say that he won't be effective and he won't score goals I just don't think it's going to be like a turning point and be like oh these coyotes are really competitive now sure or at least just not trash okay (laughs) well I think we have all three of those teams in the basement no problem at all but let's move to the west let's start with who we think Let's start with who we think is going to be in the basement of the West, because I would contend that the West has some of the brightest stars and some of the best future cup winners. I'm not talking about this year, maybe not next year, but man, does this team have some disgusting, this division have some disgusting talent. Let's talk about who's coming in last, because I don't think it'll be a shock to either of us. I have the San Jose Sharks. Yeah. They lost Eric Carlson. He is gone. Anthony uh, Anthony Duclair is in. However, man, Carlson was this team. Yeah, 100%. He was like the lifeblood of this Sharks team. And, um, yeah, they're far removed from their last cup win. And, you okay. know, it's just, uh, it, uh, yeah, Sharks are going to be in the basement. That's, that's that. Honestly. And it, they're in the basement because they haven't gotten the rookie talent in yet. And they're still sort of dealing with, you know, Granlin, Logan Couture, these guys from a time gone by where maybe they had a shot four or five years ago, but, man, they are getting too old to really do anything about it. 
Yeah, it's a lot of dead weight on the team, honestly. Like, I hate yeah. to say it for these guys that I kind of, like, grew up watching, but just, yeah, dead weight, honestly. I did. I, I do want to give a special shout-out to the Sharks, which will be the only time I ever did it. I played a hockey tournament in San Jose, I want to say four years ago, where we the tournament was in the Sharks' practice rink. And I got there about an hour early for the game, and I see all these adults on the ice. And I go, oh, that's that's Martin Jones playing in the net I'm about to play in. Gave me so many nerves. I gave up four goals in the game. I don't want to talk <laughs> about the rest of that. However, let's move to who we think will also be in the basement. I'm going to give that position in number seven to the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, I could definitely see the Anaheim Ducks. Um, I feel like they didn't make enough moves in this offseason to really make themselves competitive. I think that they kind of had some you know, flashes of a great team or at least a semi-competitive team last season. Um, but yeah, just uh, not enough moves this offseason. And I feel like, yeah, just uh, they're not going to be too, too competitive. I'm, I'm worried about John Gibson. As, as goaltenders ourselves, we can appreciate John Gibson and I'm sure you've played on your fair share of really bad teams where it's not your fault that you're losing every game, but man, does it feel like it. I mean, John Gibson may ask for a trade if this season does not start ending up the way the Ducks want it to. The only thing I can really rest my hat on if I'm a Ducks fan, which why would you ever be a Ducks fan, <laughs> Troy Terry and Trevor Zegras. These two young guys have been fantastic for them. I think Zegras is maybe a little bit overrated with all the Michigan stuff that he's got going on. But I don't know. What what do you think we can expect from Terry and Zegers this year? Um, I mean, for a team that doesn't have the highest of expectations and, you know, some clear holes in their just, you know, yeah, and just defense and, yeah, the, this team's going to let up a ton of goals. But with that being said, though, offensively, I think that, you know, it could be fun to see what these guys do. I think Zegers, um, I mean, 22 years old. He's young guy, so I, I think big that... Big Zegers guy? Yeah, I'm not necessarily a big Zegers guy, but I think that, um, you know, if for a team that doesn't have the highest of expectations, um, they can definitely make some noise and um, upset a couple, you know, naysayers, I think. So then, let's say I'm a naysayer, yeah. and I'm putting the Vancouver Canucks finishing ahead of the Ducks. Am I a fool for thinking that? Because Oliver ekman Larson is gone from this team, and I was a fan of him. They really didn't get anyone in. I mean, Pia Suter, maybe. Ian Cole, maybe. But none of these guys that are really jumping off of the page. The Canucks last year obviously underwhelmed in the win-loss column, going 38-37-7, finishing 6. That is one spot worse than where they were the year prior. And somehow Vancouver will keep making the same mistakes. They will, like, lay their hat on Elias Pettersson and JT Miller and will somehow think that that will win them games. Thatcher Demko, if he's healthy, I mean, I, I, I watched this guy on YouTube. I don't know if you know him. He's called the Hockey Guy. Shout out to him. Big Canucks guy. He loves Thatcher Demko but is so frustrated because year after year, Demko cannot stay healthy. If we see a healthy Demko and Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson putting up points and JT Miller being semi-competent, can we see them maybe even making a wild card push no wild card push is a lot to ask for okay. i will say but i i like where you're heading though with that i think that they can definitely be a bit more of a competitive team this year um i can definitely see them be a middle of the pack pacific maybe maybe just squeeze into the wild card um 
but yeah, I think that there's still some clear holes in this team that it, it's weird that they haven't focused on them. Um, right. It just seems kind of like negligence at this point. It seems like they're doing the same thing year after year. And you bring up a good point why I don't think we can expect them to be in the wild card because there are five teams in the Pacific Division who I can say are handedly better than this team. Yeah. And four of them made the playoffs. Let's talk about a team that didn't make the playoffs, narrowly missed. Let's talk about the Calgary Flames. Because I have the Calgary Flames making the playoffs this year. You know what? Actually, I think we agree there. I think Really? Yeah, I think that they can, you know, make a uh, actual good run for it. Why, why do you have the Flames making the playoffs? Uh, I mean, Markstrom, Kadri, I feel sure. like they just add a lot of weight to this roster. Um, Huberdu also just... Yeah. Had a terrible yeah. year last year. I don't think we can expect that again from him. The, yeah. only, the only thing that maybe puts me off is the loss of Tyler Toffoli. Yeah. I've been a, been a big proponent of Tyler Toffoli their whole time. When he was a king, yeah, uh, Florida Panther. I mean, this guy's been everywhere, but has seemed to find success everywhere. And man, I feel like they're gonna miss him now. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I was really liking what Defoli was doing on the Flames last season. I felt like he was a fantastic fit for that team right. and kind of the style of hockey that they played. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that they definitely lose a step or two without him there. But I think that they still will be competitive. Though. Do you think the pickup of Igor Sharangovich will make up for that? In some part, but I think uh, we're gonna have to wait at least until like midseason to see how sure. it really fully uh, how he fully fills that spot or not fills that spot. Let's talk next about a team that no one expected to make the playoffs, yet there they were. Let's talk about the Seattle Kraken. I know you love your Kraken. Oh, Am yeah. I correct in that? Oh, yeah, big cracking. All right, tell me what I can expect from the Seattle Kraken this year. Uh, well, listen, uh, they didn't get off to the strongest start this season. Um, but off the back of that, though, I think that they will be a competitive team. And we'll see a really strong push, I think, later in this season. Um, maybe once people start getting injured um, and just kind of everyone settles into the season, I think that they can make a really strong push and start getting, you know, um, some points back that they're losing in this uh, start of the season, which I feel like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like that has been kind of a trend with this Kraken team, which mm -hmm. is, you know, soft starts and strong finishes. Sure. Um, so I think that we're going to see the same thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this Kraken team. Um, I think that we need to see a bit more cohesion on the defense. Okay, um, I'd agree with that. Because I feel like it, it was, at least last season for me, it was – can the offense keep up with the bad defense? Can they keep outscoring the Which goals they that are they letting up? And they could up until a certain point when the offense started to dry up a little bit. Um, but I think the season's going to be a little bit different. I think that maybe the defensive um, end of the ice is a little bit better, um, and I think that allows some more opportunities offensively and to keep close games in their favor. You could certainly argue that the expectations are higher this year. I, You could argue that last year they were playing with house money, certainly, and then they show up to play the Colorado Avalanche. Everyone expects them to get swept, and they beat the Avalanche. I don't think anyone could see them beating the Stars. But, yeah, they have, you know, Calder Trophy winner Matty Beneers. I'm a big fan of Matty Beneers, and obviously the young kid in Shane Wright could prove uh, pivotal for if they're going to make a push. But let's talk about the top three. Because I would argue that the top three in the Pacific are better than the top three in any division. The Let's start with the LA Kings, because I think they have the least expectation of these top three teams. 
the moves they made this offseason shows that they're once again a force to be reckoned with in the Pacific, especially with the addition of Pierre-Luc Dubois. This guy is awesome. I think, look, they bowed out in the first round of the playoffs for the second consecutive season. We made some big moves. I say we. Sorry, I shouldn't say we. The <laughs> LA Kings made a big move. Dubois is going to be awesome on the second line. And we're giving the goaltending job to Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot, he's a journeyman, been a lot of places, but he's at least solid. And you know you can count on him because Corpus Allo went out. My one gripe with the Kings is the goaltending. Because if Cam Talbot doesn't pan out, we need Phoenix Copley to stand up. Uh, yikes. Exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, I think Cam Talbot's a great, uh, I've actually heard someone <laughs> describe this earlier, like a good pu- plug-and-play guy. Sure. Like, he's not, you know, like the most desired, uh, you know, I guess acquisition or somebody that, like, really completes a team, but he will make saves and he will perform um, at least, you know, right up until a certain extent. Um but yeah, I think that he really, it's kind of a, betting a lot on black right there. You know, it's either Talbot's going to work out right. and the Kings can make a really strong start and a good push, or he's not going to pan out and now you got Phoenix Copley and your defense is not so great, so then you're worrying. Yeah, yeah. it's just going to be a lot of problems. But man, th- this team for a team that couldn't seem to score about three years ago has added so much offensively. It's not only guys like Phil Deneau coming in and Pierre-Luc Dubois, but it's also the rookies growing up. I mean, you have uh, you have guys like uh, Adrian Kempe who have really showed up. Guys like Alex Ayafalo who have really showed up. You have all of these young guys finally coming into their own where they're proving themselves to be elite goal scorers and they're working they're all working around Anze Kopitar. And I want to shine a little spotlight on him before we move on. Kopitar is not the same player who he used to be, but it doesn't mean that he's worse. Kopitar is now much more focused. He used to be more on get in front of the net, tip in pucks, find quick passes in front of the net. Now he's much more creative. He's much more reliable to pass it off to these guys because he knows that they can finish the job. I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of a year Kopitar is going to have. Got you. And I, I think that maybe you can talk to Kopitar's change a little bit more. But do you think that that will make the Kings um, a lot more dangerous offensively just in creating opportunities and maybe not being as one note, which I feel like last season they kind of fell into that, you know. They did. Just one, two. Yeah. Strategy. It it, it seemed it seemed very formulaic yeah. coming into the zone, and Drew Doughty has always been a guy who's been creative, especially on the breakout, sometimes to his own detriment. <laughs> but I think with guys like Kopitar, you got um, you know Trevor Lewis coming back, which is always nice to see. I think they're going to be great. And Kevin Fiala, Kevin Fiala has been a revelation for this team. He put up. I think he led he led the team in points which was not shocking at all. He was an all-star. I th- I think we have some good things coming for the Kings, but let's talk about the two giants in the room, the two yeah. elephants, before we wrap this up here. Do you want to talk about the Oilers first or the 2022-2023 Stanley Cup champions? Um, you know... Let's uh let's go for the champs first. Let's start with the champs. Yeah, let's start with the champs. Where do you have the champs finishing up? You know what? I actually have them finishing... I mean, it's either going to be first or second for me. The more I'm talking about it, though, I kind of want to say second just to, you know, put a hot take out there. But I don't know. Yeah, a little bit of a mic drop moment. But 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're 2-0, had a really strong start this season so far, just keeping up with the Golden Knights that, you know, they ended off with last year. But, yeah, I can maybe see if, you know, the injury bug goes around a little bit, maybe them sure. losing a couple points. Um, you know, if Eichel and Stone can both stay fully healthy, um, I think that they're going to be a really competitive team. But who knows? Maybe they, you know, miss a couple steps here and there, end up in the second slot. Who knows? But what do you think? I mean, I I have no reason to believe that the Golden Knights are going to be any worse or better than they were last year simply because they didn't change much. I mean, they got rid of Jonathan Quick, who who wasn't goaltending for them until the end of the season, obviously, when he got traded there. All they lost was Phil Kessel, who in the playoffs was a healthy scratch. Yeah. I mean, that guy was just eating hot dogs on the bench. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, just doing cardio. Just yeah. doing cardio, eating <laughs> hot dogs on the bench. They're they're not going to miss Smith, Kessel, uh, Rousseau, and Quick. Stick with what works. If you win the Stanley Cup, that's what works. You get to go down that parade on the Vegas Strip and have William Carlson make a fool of himself. <laughs> Let's move to the big boys, or should I say the two big boys, because that's all this team is. Let's talk about Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid's Edmonton Oilers. It just seems like they can't put it together when it matters every single year. Yeah, no, it just seems like it's uh, so close yet so, so far. Um, And honestly, like, at least the way that I view the Oilers always is that, like, um, I don't know, it feels like they've kind of put a lot of weight into one or two big players um and it's all it just hasn't worked out for them i feel like they've kind of neglected other parts of the team because be like you know we just have these fantastic players just to bail us out and can produce goals on a whim with a snap of a finger but you know when that doesn't always work out it just leaves them in these terrible terrible spots you just can't rely on Darnell Nurse to carry your defense. <laughs> yeah. You can't. No, yeah. I, this is no knock to Darnell Nurse. I'm a big fan of him. But you can't expect him to carry them. And, yes, Edmonton is this team that can come into your arena. They can come into crypto. They can come into anywhere <laughs> and run up five, six goals on you by the second period. And you're like, well, I guess we're just going to lose this game. But if if you come against a defensively sound team, which I think a lot of teams have gotten better defensively, I'm not sure it'll work. So to wrap this up, before we do this, who do we have winning the Pacific? Pacific? Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to be boring. Golden Knights. Golden Knights. I will not agree with you. Give me the Los Angeles Kings to win the Pacific Division. Okay, there you go. I will let people, if you want to tweet at me and get mad at me, which a lot of people seem to have been doing recently, <laughs> please let me know. But that will do it for us here on 5 on 3, WFUV's best, if only, hockey show. I have been your host, Nick Palmer. My co-host is Andrew Canary. We had Chaz McAdams behind the booth, but now it's Ralph Barberi behind the board. And Julia Moss, the boss's presence, is always appreciated back there. This has been a production of WFUV Sports. This has been 5 on 3. Come back next time. <laughs>